Hey, everybody. Glad you're here. What a mellow kind of uh, just casual, very relaxed. I like it. It's got a good vibe. We're just settling in. We're taking a breath. Beginning our week by just taking a breath of fresh air and relaxing. And that's important. That's what we're going to talk about this morning. We're going to talk about what we really need right now is to learn how to enter into God's rest. That's what Hebrews chapter 4 is all about, is entering into a kind of rest that restores your soul, that brings hope, rejuvenation, life in Christ. You know, we have become literally a culture of restlessness. You notice that? We, we're just conditioned to strive for more. Just more hours. And it leaves us feeling a sense of unsatisfaction. We're, we're, we're wanting more the more we want. And we just keep going. There's, there's, there's just no greater feeling when you get to a point at the end of a week and you just feel like, oh, I'm settled. I feel so good. No commitments. I don't feel like I have anywhere to go. I just want to just take a moment and rest. It's important, isn't it? It's important in the rhythm of life to get that kind of rest. And I'm going to talk specifically about a kind of rest that God is offering us in Hebrews chapter 4. We need it. We all need it. Our body needs it. I love um, Charlie Keating. I love his famous quote. His favorite part of yoga is namaste. At the very end, you're done. Oh, you just, that breath, that you take this deep breath in and you lay down and you're just quiet and you just are calm. And it's like your whole body is just relaxed. It's a great moment, isn't it? And we need that. And when we work hard, and whether we're exercising, and we take a break, it almost like it just, it, it restores us so that we can get going again. In Hebrews chapter 4, the writer is talking about a particular kind of rest that's available to us. Therefore, let us fear if while a promise remains of entering his rest, any one of you may seem to have come short of it. Don't come short of God's rest. And the writer says, I fear that some might, but fear, be careful, be aware. Most translations say the word literally means be careful, be attentive. Understand what this rest is. And what I find is this is probably going to be the most encouraging message you hear the most relaxed, soothing, like this is music to my ears. Carl Rayner, a Jesuit priest, theologian, says these words, into the torment of insufficiency of everything attainable, we learn that ultimately in this world there is no finished symphony. There's just this sense of we never get to a point where we're finished. 
We're always working hard. We, it's, we're never done. And we, we live with that tension in this life. And what the writer is saying is we need to be careful not to carry that tension where it's never done, it's never finished. We live with a sense of restlessness into our Christian lives. Don't let it invade your faith. And by faith, the writer is going to say, we need to enter into the rest of God. Because we have been conditioned as followers of Christ to hear the word we haven't done enough. We need to keep working. We've got to achieve. We, there's more obligation and more to be done. And we hear this and we feel this sense of obligation that just nags at our souls, doesn't it? That if you hear that long enough, you just feel, I'm not worthy I got to work harder. I got to do more. I got to keep up. And the writer is saying to us this morning enter into the rest of God. Jesus, Matthew chapter 11, 28 says, What does he say? Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon me and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in spirit, and I will give rest for your souls. Jesus offers it in himself. Jesus offers this rest for the weary so that we may learn the yoke of Jesus, running with Jesus at a different pace. And we need to hear that. We need to grab onto that because we carry it into our faith and our faith has not brought us rest. John Mark Comer writes a book on hurry, you know, uh, 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 ruthlessly eliminating hurry, which he got from John Ortberg, which John Ortberg got from Dallas Willard. But Mark, John, John Mark Comer became famous for writing the book, eliminate, ruthlessly eliminating hurry. And in it, he talks about hurry and why hurry is so dangerous for our souls. And then he, he encourages us to four disciplines and says, practice these disciplines to slow down. So important. The writer in Hebrews reminds us what this rest is so we might enter into it, and then tells us how to stay in this rest. And that's what I look at this morning. So what is this rest that the writer is talking about that we need to enter into and stay in? Because it's one thing to enter into, it's another thing to stay in it. So let's look at it. So the writer says, Therefore, let us fear if a promise remains of entering the rest, that any one of you may not come, sh that you may not come short of it. For indeed, we have good news preached to us, just as they also. But the word they heard did not profit them, because it was not united by faith in those who heard. For we who have believed enter that rest. The writer is drawing this, this contrast between those, that is, the people of Israel, that were given the opportunity to enter into the rest. We know what, they're ta what he's talking about. He's talking about the fact that they came short of the rest, which was the promised land. It was a location. 
For Israel, it was a promised land that God called rest. Enter into his rest, Joshua chapter 1. Joshua led the people finally after 40 years of wandering, but the people of Israel did not truly enter into the rest. They were still in a sense of obligation, of working hard, of trying to accomplish for themselves, fearful that they needed to do something to help God to get them into the rest, the promised land. It was a location. And the writer is giving us an idea of what rest is. It's something that God provides for us. We don't have to do it. It's like the land. That's what he's saying. It's like the land. But it's more than the location. It's far more because, as the writer says, as they were not able to enter into it, today we get to hear what? The good news, the euangelion, the gospel. The gospel is the good news of God's rest. That's what it is. So the writer says, as Israel was to enter into the good news that there was a land that was set aside, victory was theirs. They didn't have to do anything but trust God and walk in. And it was theirs. But they, they didn't learn that lesson. But the euangelion, the gospel, the evangelical message of Jesus was preached to us so that we would enter into that rest. And what the writer is saying, it's not the location, that's an example of it. But it's actually hidden within the message of the gospel. Rest is hidden in this message. Hebrews chapter 4, not the location. But as we continue reading, the people of Israel did not enter into the rest. But we have received clear instruction of what that rest is. It's the good news. It's the best news you could possibly hear this morning. And and the idea of it, we enter by faith. That's what the writer's saying. Enter this rest by faith. The writer goes on. I'm just going to walk you through this text. So he says, here is the good news that's been preached to us. It's the good news that we know is the message of Christ that was proclaimed that Jesus is king, Caesar is not. We follow Christ because he accomplished it all. That's the good news. It's the rest that Jesus offers is himself. Now notice, the writer continues on. And in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 3, look where he goes. He continues this argument. And now he changes gears from the idea of giving us the example of the promised land as the rest for Israel, of talking now about himself, that is God, in creation who rested on the seventh day. Another kind of rest. We're now moving from location to Sabbath. Therefore, since, notice it says, I'm sorry, go back up to verse 3. Although his works were finished from the foundation of the world, for he has said somewhere concerning the seventh day, and God rested on the seventh day all his works. And again in this passage, they shall not enter my rest. Therefore it remains for some 
to enter it, and those who formerly had good news preached, to them they failed to enter because of the disobedience. He again fixes a certain day, today, saying that through David, after so long ago, just as he said before, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. Today. But he takes us all the way back to the beginning of creation where God invites his people into the rhythm of life that he established of working six days and resting one. It's a good rhythm. It's called the Sabbath. And God gave the Sabbath to his people in order to give them rest from their work, in order to restore them so that their work would be effective. Because if we do not rest, our work no longer becomes effective for the Lord. And so the Sabbath, again, is a picture of what he's talking about, but it's not the thing. See, the Sabbath is a picture of rest. Just like Israel, the location of the Canaan, where the people of God were going, is a picture of rest. Does that make sense? So what we see in this text is it's, it's today the good news is being offered to us like it was in the Old Testament. And Sabbath, though, is, though the Sabbath is a good thing, and taking a moment of rest in your week is a good thing, that's not what the writer is specifically talking about here. He's talking about a different kind of rest. Yes, the Sabbath is the rhythm of life that we need as believers to follow, of resting, of taking time, coming away, pulling away, and being restored. But think about this. The writer says, if, if that happened, if, if the people of Israel figured that out, then there wouldn't have been this euangelion, the preaching of this good news, which is rest for today. Today, if you hear his words. Don't harden your heart today. If Joshua had given them rest, he would not have spoken of another day. See, if it had worked in the Old Testament, there would be no need for what the writer is talking about. Do you see where I'm going? If it had been accomplished that the, the land was the rest and they entered in by faith and trusted God, there would be no need for this. If they had understood the Sabbath and the, the rhythm of life of working six and spending a day in careful meditation, in relaxation, in changing the pace of your life, then there will be no need for what the writer is talking about. But he continues to remind them so that there still remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. Here it is in verse 10. Here it is. For the one who has entered his rest has himself or herself also rested from their works as God did. What the writer is saying, the rest that he's referring to is found in Christ and it's salvation. In Hebrews chapter 4, the rest that he's talking about is the rest that comes from working out your salvation in your own efforts. You can rest from all the work that you accomplish to try to become approved by God. It's done. It's finished. 
this morning, you can enter into that rest. I mean, what an invitation that God has accomplished it. That what the writer is saying is that this eternal rest is now ours and we can rest from our works. As God did, we can rest in the finished work of Christ. It's like literally hitting a slot machine. I don't gamble. I'm not a gambler. I've actually never gambled in like Las Vegas in like a formal sense. I've played like poker with friends with pennies or whatever, but I've never actually formally gambled. I chose really early. It's really kind of an odd little thing, but very early in my life, I remember uh, we'd drive through Vegas to get to the river, Lake Powell or whatever, and Mojave. And, uh, and I just decided one day as a young person, I'm just, I'm going to do one. I'm going to decide never to do that the rest of my life. I don't know, just kind of like a goal. Has really, you know, it's not like it's bad or, you know, I mean, if you do it too much, I guess it's bad, but um, you could lose all your money, which is a bad thing. But, you know, it's like if you enjoy to do that, enjoy it, that's great. But I just chose not to do that. I mean, James knows he's been, he's been in a casino with me, and I just won't gamble. I just won't do it. I've never done it. I'm going to go the rest of my life and not do one thing. Now, for some of you going, that's a great idea. I wish I had thought of that when I was younger. It's not too late. So I just decided not to do it. But if you do gamble and you like pulling the slots, and I had to look this up, what's the number that comes up when you win the jackpot? What's the number? It's seven, right? Seven, seven, seven. It's like right across the board. And I thought, isn't that interesting? You know why? It's the number of completion. And all through Scripture, we have this idea of completion. I want this to settle in with you this morning. That something has been done for you, and it's complete, and you don't have to do another thing. And you're getting all sevens. I mean, in John chapter 19, verse 30, Jesus says these words. It is finished. And he means it. When Christ died on the cross, at the moment that he took his last breath, he reminded you of one thing. It's finished. It's finished. The work that you feel you have to do is done. I've done all the work. I've done it. I've completed it. I mean, all through Scripture, we hear this. Deuteronomy chapter 15, 1 and 2 on the seventh year in the life of Israel, you know what happened? All debts were cleared and slaves were free. Every seven years, they experienced a clean slate. They didn't earn it. They didn't deserve it. But they received completion, forgiveness. Every seven years, a reminder of forgiveness all throughout the life of Israel. Matthew chapter 18, verse 21 and 22. Peter asked Jesus, how often should we forgive? And Jesus uses the word what? The letter or the number. Seven. Seven times 70. The completion, the number of completion. Josh, Joshua chapter 6, 1 and 20. Six days they marched around Jericho. And what happened on the seventh? 
God brought the walls down. They didn't. God brought the walls down. God wants to do the finished work of salvation in your life. And we have built a faith that says we have to do more. And that's contradictory to the message of the euangelion, the good news that is being preached to us today. As God ushered the people into rest in the location of Israel, as God demonstrated the Sabbath as a day of rest, of completion of work, of complete rest, those are pictures of our salvation in Christ. It's complete rest. It's resting in the complete work of Christ. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, for by grace you've been saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not as a result of works that anyone should boast. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 10, we are resting from our works when we enter into God's rest. Does that make sense? I mean, that is so clear. That should be a, a, the most encouraging invitation this morning to you to enter into that and if you are struggling and if you are still working hard if you are still if you have the mindset that you still have not done enough i want you to set that aside lay it down drop it in the sand throw it in the ocean it's not true it is just simply not true i love joyce um meyer and i've i've heard her speak uh, in London, and it was one of the most profound messages I have ever heard on love, and she tells her whole life story. And it's a, it's a brutal story of abuse and how she has came to Christ, and she's a remarkable woman. She really is. And I, on my Instagram, I get her little quotes, and I love her quotes. And one of them just the other day was this. Guilt is our way of trying to pay for our sins. How many people live in guilt? And Jesus has paid it all and doesn't need your help. I love that. And that's the way Joyce says it. She says, and Jesus doesn't need your help. He doesn't need your help this morning. What he's done, he's offering you as a gift. Here it is. It's a true gift of Christ. And many of us are trying to complete salvation on our own. It's Here's an example. If you were off, offered a birthday party, and someone's going to throw you a birthday party, just, just show up at my house, and your friends will be there, and we're going to have some food, and we're going to we're just enjoy, and we're going to celebrate you. And all of a sudden, you say, well, what can I bring? You're missing the point of the birthday party. Well, I've got, I can bring some drinks. I have some leftover drinks. I could bring those. I, no, you just, just show up. What about dessert? I can make cookies. No, just show up and enjoy and allow us to celebrate you. But I've got tablecloths. I could bring those. Wouldn't be very much work, but I could bring them. No, I just want you to join in a celebration, and you don't have to bring anything. It's for you. Isn't it interesting that we find it so hard to receive? And we work so hard that we reject a free gift that is being offered to us this morning. Right now, today, the writer is saying today, 
Paul says it in 1 Corinthians, today is the day of salvation. Why does he say that? Because today is the day of salvation if you receive the free gift of rest. And you can enter into that rest right now. Romans chapter 4. Let me just read a passage of Scripture to you, and then I'm going to show you how to stay in that rest, and then we're done. But in Romans chapter 4, look at this. Paul is saying this. He's making an argument with Abraham. And Abraham, you know, is the one that was called upon by God to sacrifice the one son that God promised to give him. Give me back your son, Isaac. Take him up and offer him as a sacrifice. And so Abraham thought, literally, that's what I need to do, and took him up on the hill and the mountain and was willing to sacrifice his son for God. And this is what God's Paul reminds us what God did in that moment, stopped him from that and said in Genesis chapter 15, 6, on the basis of your faith, I want to reckon you as right with me. On the basis of your faith of willing to trust me with your whole life, your future, your one son, I am willing to acknowledge you are right with me. And when we say Abraham, our forefather, according to the flesh, has found if Abraham was justified by works, that is, by what he did, he has something to boast about, but not before God. For what does the Scripture say? Abraham believed God. That's all he did. He believed God and was reckoned him as righteousness. Yes, he would obey, and obedience is the act of belief, but he simply believed God that God would provide the sacrifice. And in the act of belief, of faith, it was reckoned to him as righteousness. Now the one who works his wages credited his favor, but is what is due. So if you work hard and you want something in return, great, there's, you get your wage. Fine, you're done. But it's not credited as a favor, but the one who does not work but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is credited as righteousness. Righteousness is the idea of being made right with God. You, are, you have been made right with God, and as God sees you, he sees you complete. He's, you are acceptable to God simply by trusting in Christ, the finished work. Paul says, if you believe in him who justifies the ungodly, your faith is credited as righteousness. That's all you have to do. That is all you have to do. Why do we complicate it? You are now seen as completely and totally accepted by God. It's not another thing you need to do. You don't have to work harder. No more obligation. Sure, Faith is to be now lived out, but we live out our faith on the basis of our understanding of what rest truly is. We've got to settle with rest before we ever see our faith work in action. Hebrews continues, and I want to finish with this, because oftentimes we receive this rest and this morning, this rest is offered to you. If you've never received the finished work of Christ, if you believe in him, he's the one who brings you justification. 
his finished work, when Jesus says it is finished, he, he thought of you. He thought of you. He said, it's finished. You don't have to work any harder. You don't have to try to become approved unto me on the basis of yourself. It's done. It is done. It is finished. I have done that work. Your sins for my life. It's done. And today, maybe there's somebody out here and you've been struggling with this and it is so simple. I turn my life over to you. It's finished. I believe the finished work of the cross and I put my faith in that. I put, that's all you have to do. You enter into the rest and it changes your life. You're in the promised land. You're in that seventh day of rest where there's restoration and life and now you're invigorated and now there's hope for purpose in your life. See, what I was going to tell you is that we all need a purpose and here's the purpose for our life to enter into that rest. And here's the final one. This is beautiful. In Hebrews chapter 4, the writer goes on to say this in verses 12 and 13. So we enter into the work, the finished work of Christ, and then in chapter 4, verse 12, all the way to the end, he gives us two ways that God will remind us how to stay in that rest. The first is the word of God, and the second is Jesus, who we draw near to. The word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. If you right now have entered into the rest and you've made that decision, but yet you're still trying to prove yourself before God. The Word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword, and when you read the Word of God, it will pierce your soul and remind you of your true identity. It takes us all the way back to a message I preached several weeks ago on Martha and Mary. Do you remember that one? In Luke chapter 10, the very end, 38 to 42. In that section of Scripture, Jesus shows up in Martha and Mary's home, and Mar Martha becomes very upset and busy and bothered about so many things, and Mary sits at Jesus' feet. And if I could preach that message again, the thing that I would want you to know is while it is possible to enter his rest, you got to stay in the rest. You got to stay in that rest today. Tomorrow, you got to stay in that rest. It is entirely possible to enter the rest and yet still not live in that rest. And the, 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 the writer reminds us that the Word of God, as we read the Word of God, reminds us over and over and over to sit at the feet of Jesus. Because your true identity is in Christ, not your own efforts. It's not what you accomplish. It's not what you even do. There are several references in the Bible that indicate that your true identity is not in what you do or what you accomplish for God. It's in you in relationship with Jesus. You are in relationship with Christ. And the Bible reminds us of that relationship and should pour over your soul as a reminder to give you a new identity of who you truly are. That's how you stay in the rest. It is so easy to get up and go, okay, what do I have to do? Where do I have to go? I love grounded groups. And grounded groups are about coming together 
for a meal and enjoying fellowship, opening God's word to be reminded of who we are in Christ. That should be something that we want. We, we need that. We need that constant reminder. We need to be together. We come to church to be reminded, not to feel obligated to be, but reminded and praise God for who he is. And so this morning, let Christ's salvation bring you the identity that you need. It's not who you are. It's not what you control. It's not what you accomplish. But it's seeing myself as God sees me in rest because of Christ. That's as clear as I can say it. And then verse 14 all the way to verse 16, let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace so that we may receive mercy and find time, help in time of need. Draw into the throne of God. Christ is our high priest waiting to intercede, waiting to defend us, waiting to help us. Defeat a false identity. The Word of God and Christ are both at your disposal this morning to defeat this sense of restlessness because you got to do something else. And the greatest message you'll ever hear is the purpose of your life is to enter into the rest of God. That's what it is. How do I enter into the rest of God? Believe in the finished work of Christ. How do I stay in the rest of God? Be bathed in the living word of God that reminds me of who I am and draw near to God who wants to be available, merciful, gracious in time of need. And we all need that, don't we? So this morning, we're going to come to the table. There's a little wafer, by the way, on the top of the cup. Some of us may not have seen that, and you're wondering, where's the bread? The bread is on the top, and the juice is on the bottom, okay? So you peel that off, and then you open it up, and there you have a communion. And I want to pray for a communion. I want to uh, bless this moment for all of us as we come forward to receive the, 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 the body of Christ, his flesh and his blood broken for us, the finished work of Christ. As you come this morning, here's what I want you to do. I want you to come up and believe by faith that the work of Christ on the, on the cross was finished and he doesn't need your help. And as you take that wafer and you take that juice, I want you to believe and receive the rest that God is providing you this morning. And be reminded of that as we scramble and work hard and we have all sorts of obligations. In the center of all that is this rest that anchors us, that directs us, that gives us purpose in Jesus' name. So Father, I pray a blessing over this beautiful communion in the name of Jesus that as we come forward to receive your body and your blood that has been shed on our behalf, we receive it and take it and believe that we are taking you into us, your body, your sacrifice, because it is finished so that we no longer have to work for ourselves. And so we come now in the name of Jesus and believe that. Some of us are coming with great anxiety 
restlessness because we don't have a security for our souls. It's finished. Some of us are coming and we're still wrestling with our identity, feeling like we're not enough. And we are. You approve us. You love us. You accept us. And you've invited us to the table to remind us of that right now in Jesus' name. Amen. So when you're ready, we're going to close our service with a little bit of music and just enjoy, enjoy this time of feeling God's rest. Amen.